You said your sister-in-law killed a man and a woman here and cut them up? You said they found hands and feet, but they never found any heads. All right, well, let's start. Hello. Hello. And we're back. We are. And I, we, we don't have a warm-up. No, because... We just don't. Yeah, nothing. I mean, we ever... There's, there's three things going on right now, or two things going on right now. Yeah, and everybody's talking about them <laughs> and, and or dealing with them. So, yep. blah, blah, blah. No wacky news or interesting thing going on. No, and we no. Normally, I see something. Yeah. Online or hear something, but uh, well, and the one thing you not this uh, time. you did bring up, it was just like it's it's interesting news, but it's like yeah, like they found some new shit at Stonehenge. Yeah, um, uh, but there's not really a whole lot. I mean, it's a it's an interesting discovery, yeah, but there's not a whole lot about it. Not yet. a lot of information yet. Yeah. Um, but so they found some new old shit at stonehenge there warm up everybody's warm we're all super warm warm. so this one um we're we're gonna move away from um the themed topic i had been doing for the past three weeks we're also this one's also very different not in the sense of how i'm gonna tell it but different from any of the stories we've done so far um because some of it may or may not be Truthful. True, because um, a lot of this information comes secondhand, uh, or comes uh, word of mouth. Yeah, that gets dicey. Yeah, um, I definitely had different research on this because it was one where I had to talk to people, and um, it, yeah, definitely a little dicey. So some of the information may not be correct, um, but I tried to find as much document proof as i could so this is episode 109 the tale of waynesboro ah that's close isn't it so even after the american revolutionary war revolutionary there it is it is yeah um which resulted in the independence and statehood of the commonwealth of virginia because we're technically not a state uh same thing the area that lay that lies or lays between the apple apple Appalachian and Blue Ridge Mountain Trail mm-hmm. or uh, ranges was n- still known as Frontier because you basically couldn't get travel by wagon over the mountain range. Okay, either one. So it didn't belong to anyone. It basically, yeah. I mean, like it, it was part of it was part of Virginia that no one had really gotten into yet. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with what is called the Shenandoah Valley, it's basically the Door. Shenandoah Valley. Which is how you say it when you're from here. <laughs> exactly. With a hard O-R on the oh. end. Apparently. Uh, shut up. Um, All right, so we're in Shenandoah Valley. Shenandoah Valley. Duh. It, mm, how do you say oh, it? I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. You're going to do that a lot this episode. <laughs> so anyway, the valley yeah. is basically created because the mountain ranges... Um, they don't intercede, but they get very close at one point in, I think it's like from West Virginia to Virginia down into the North Carolinas. But like the Shenandoah Valley is a wide range of Virginia. I mean, it's what, how many miles? I don't know. Who even knows? I didn't look it up. But basically what this is saying is that even after the Revolutionary War, this area, Shenandoah Valley, 
no one really, no settlers had moved into it yet because they could not get their wagons over the mountain. It was basically, yeah, it was basically like, um, trying to cross the Rockies or, um, you know, what happened to the Donner party. It was so tough that if people made it, no one knew about it because they definitely didn't get the word back out to be like, Hey, come live in this area. No one had a sticker on the back of their wagon (laughs) that said, if you're reading this, tip me over. No, no, not at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) So it, yeah, basically impossible to get here. Um, Eventually, though, a crossing was established for travel over the Blue Ridge Mountains, about six miles from what is now Waynesboro. Um, it was established as in it just happened to be a clearing or people It was clear enough that that was the best place to, to start the okay. work on the clearing. It's called, um, uh, I don't, <laughs> being from here, I've heard it multiple different ways. Uh, Jeremy's Gap or Jeremon's Gap. It's J-A-R-M-A-N-S. But again, we make up all kinds of words around here. I don't think I've heard of that. And it's so, Eastside Speedway. I don't, oh, it's... It's behind Eastside Speedway. It's Eastside Speedway. It's Eastside Speedway. It's literally... So, okay. For, again, those that aren't from here, this gap is in a place called Dooms. <laughs> Where? Dooms. Dooms. So, it's behind the racetrack that we have in Waynesboro, which is called Eastside. So, it's it's the mountain range that's right behind there. So um, Interesting. Um, purple, uh, purple, purple cow. cow road, purple cow road. You know how you go back and it kind of takes you up into the mountains yes. eventually that if you keep going that way, eventually, I don't know if you can still, if the crossing's not there anymore, mm-hmm. but I don't, I think you can still like hike up into that area. Okay. Anyway, so that allowed travel into the valley and then between the two mountain ranges. So once that happened, travel east into the Shenandoah Valley was much more accessible. The area became, um, um, you know, way more uh, visited. And the pass... The so it was more of an entrance than an exit? People, yeah, people were either... Co- yeah, more people were coming in and staying mm-hmm. as opposed to not even getting in or if somehow they got in getting leaving because it was too hard to, um, you know, connect with the rest of the state. It definitely was... It was becoming a place where uh, people were actively seeking homes and lands so the area where the pass came to be um, became known as waynesboro but technically it is waynesboro b-o-r-o-u-g-h is how it was originally spelled ah so again another thing we argue about all the time it's waynesboro b-o-r-o is how it's spelled. Well, if you're here, it's Wayneboro. Wayneboro, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm going to say Waynesboro. I'm going to say Wayneboro. <laughs> but we all know I can't pronounce anything, so there we go. So, many settlers from Pennsylvania, which I found interesting because we both have family traced back to Pennsylvania, yep. and I thought that was its common trait around here, and this is why. Pennsylvania became... Uh, people from Pennsylvania moved here, basically not kind of a land rush. They didn't just like offer land or whatever, but the people in Pennsylvania, it was starting to kind of get overgrown and they wanted to um, kind of move into a different area that they could settle and then spread the religion there. So they came, we, a lot of families came from specifically Allentown, Pennsylvania or that area down to 
the Shenandoah Valley. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of us have um, relatives from Pennsylvania specifically. So uh, it established the large unpopulated area. As early as 1798, the downtown area of Waynesboro was plotted. And by 1801, it was officially recognized as a town by the Commonwealth. And one of the first brick houses was built in town, which still stands today on Main Street. It's oh, the, I know that place. The Coiner uh, Queensboro Does it have a plaque house. out front? Yes. I mean, it has to. Yeah. Something that yeah. fucking old. That's definitely it. Um, so growth in the town was slow. In 1810, there was a total of 250 people living in Waynesboro. Boom. <laughs> yeah. And in 50 years later, the number had only grown to 457. It was more of a stop through town since it connected Richmond, Charlottesville and Stanton to the West. So it was basically just kind of as it is now. It, it's a pass through town. Oh, it's, I mean, people live there. Definitely getting more shit now though. It is getting more shit. You're right. But it's, I mean, <laughs> throughout our entire lives up oh, to like sure. the last five to eight years, it was a pass through town. Yeah. You don't, you're not going out of your way to go there. No, you go to Waynesboro because you have people you know. Like you're going to go to Stanton. <laughs> or you're going to go to Stanton. To go to the shitty mall. Yeah. Or you're going to go to Harrisonburg to go to the not as shitty, shitty mall. mall. Or you're going to drive to Charlottesville to go to the to slightly to, less shittier mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to Waynesboro, but now you are. Yeah. To go to Sonic. Yes. Because it's the only Sonic for yeah. some reason. For some reason. Why are they the only one with the Sonic? I, okay, real quick. Harrisonburg grows by like how many people every year when the college kids come back and we still don't have a sonic and sonic is and how delicious not only did you take away the the one waffle house we had two you took away one now we don't have any no we do it's open oh it is open oh, okay it's open. okay okay well either way you still took away one waffle house which is so weird but waffle house and sonic and it was right by the interstate yeah which is pretty weird yeah it seems like a happening spot to yeah. have a waffle house weird ideas harrisonburg but whatever anyway um so by this time charlottesville stanton harrisonburg were more established cities uh winsboro was still very um more country than you said, or more land you said 50 years later what where, what time period are we in right now so right now we are reaching um the civil war so it's like okay. 18 uh 1850s six, yeah 50s 60s Okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, about 50 years, so I'm just kind of okay. approximating. So right before the Civil War, construction on the Rockfish Gap Railroad Tunnel began, which was to replace the um, Jar German, Jarman, however you want to say it, the gap, that the current passing. Mm -hmm. So rock Replace it? Yes, because it was a better, they were building an actual tunnel okay. to connect the railroad. So the Rockfish Gap Railroad Tunnel is the one that, is is you're going towards up the mountain yeah i know where it's at okay yeah yeah so that's that's what it was replaced with so in february 1865 major general philip sheridan led two union divisions from winchester to stanton virginia as he was ordered to meet his meet some men there and take them to the north carolinas or to the carolinas in the Mount Crawford area, they ran into about 300 Confederate soldiers who were guarding Middle River. So funny when you know this area. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, so they were guarding Middle River under the supervision of General Thomas Rosser. And this is 65? Yes. Uh, 1865, yeah. So it's just after the Civil War is over. Okay. That's so why are there Confederate soldiers? Mm, 
maybe I wrote down the wrong date. Let's say Civil War ended in '64. Um. I was just wondering, is the war still going no, on? No, this is April, April 1865. Yeah, that's when it says it ended? That's when it says that it ended. Damn, I was just watching shit on it, and it says 64. Yeah, uh, it says April, and this happened in February, so this is two months before it ended. So what's happening? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely be wrong. I, 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 I mean, like I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I, looked I, this I, I, information yeah. up recently hmm. i thought it was 61 to 64 because I, I didn't think it was a very long war i don't know maybe they don't count i don't know why you wouldn't maybe count. the fighting ended but then like there were the, a few squ- squirmish yeah squeam- yeah but who knows who knows i mean i guess sorry history buffs pulling your you guys know yeah right now. well either way what i read and this is so there's there's soldiers yeah they're this, protecting the river from middle what? river <laughs> so they're basically what they were doing was just kind of guarding um because they would they don't want the union to take virginia so they're just guarding all of the access points to to different parts so they have to because at the time they don't have bridges and stuff or they did have one bridge but you don't have the one in Fort Defiance and Verona and you know Stanton all of those that we have now to cross the Middle River I mean Middle River just runs straight through the valley yeah so they took the only the the Confederacy was guarding the only bridge so that they could push back the Union if they showed up on okay. that side of the the bridge. So it just so happens in February, General Philip Sheridan is taking the Union South, and in the uh, Mount Crawford area, he runs into 300 Confederate soldiers guarding Middle River. And how deep is he? How deep is he? Um, I don't quite know yet. Okay. A couple, at least a couple hundred, if not more than, than a thousand. Oh, I'm, a I'm decent, saying, like, definitely more than more than, more the than Confederacy. Them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the the Confederacy is led by Thomas Rosser. Does that name mean anything to you? Nope. All right. Thomas Rosser is where Rosser Avenue came from, and all of the Rosser stuff in Waynesboro. So, just so you know that, um, I think there's like, isn't the Food Line area like Rosser's Crossing Sounds or something? Sounds familiar. Yeah. So anything that has Rosser on it and Waynesboro is connected to Thomas Rosser, who was the general of the Confederate Army of this area. Well, hell yeah, but he yeah. deserves to have a food line shopping center <laughs> named after him. One day, my name's yeah. going to be on the sign above food line in Dollar General. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, um, they had they were guarding, again, to the bridge in hopes of pushing back the Union Army if they showed up. When they when the Army does show up, they the Confederacy just straight starts burning the bridge. Because they're like, well, we'll just burn the bridge because that'll be the easiest so way to determine. So that was the plan all along. I don't think that was the plan all along. I think that they didn't think anyone would so show up. And idea. when they did show up, that was the quickest and best idea. Problem was, is that the Union's clearly smarter. They just get in the river and swim through it. And then others just haul ass across the bridge as it's burning. And they completely overtake the Confederate regiment, who clearly doesn't want to fight. Burn the bridge. (laughs) They're running. This shit ain't working. It ain't working. Well, that was our best plan. Well, it was a dumb fucking plan. I agree now. Could have used some hindsight. Yeah. Could have used some of that. You're sitting here 300 people deep. There's no conversations about what would actually happen if people show up. No. You're all just doot de derby durin Yep. All day long, <laughs> chewing on grass. Yeah. 
Yeah. Again, it just seems like they did not expect uh, anyone sent, to show up. You could have sent one guy to burn the bridge yeah. and then he could have gone home. Yep. But no. Nope, nope, nope. Awesome. So the Union, again, they successfully drive Ross's force back, put out the fire, and they ride on to Stanton. Once there, Sheridan meets up with General George Armstrong Custard, who is uh, just another Union general. They decide that instead of heading onto the Carolinas, they probably still have a threat from the Confederacy because, of course, Ross retreated. So they're like, he's... Probably, I mean, he knows where we're heading. He's letting people know. Yeah, and we don't want to get attacked in the rear. So let's take care of the Confederacy threat before we move to the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. So they decide instead of heading south, we're going to go east. So they head towards Waynesboro. So um, Waynesboro then... On March 2nd of 19, excuse me, 1865, Waynesboro becomes the site of a battle which came to be known as the final blow to the Confederate Army in the Shenandoah Valley. And the town in Valley were then turned over to the Union, which I never knew. Damn. I thought we ended the war as still trying to um, succeed. But. Yeah. Is. Was Gettysburg. God damn! I really didn't pay attention enough to the. I was, I was just so interested in it, but uh, well, it's hard so to much information. Kind of I'm stuff. forgetting things. Gettysburg, Is Gettysburg. It wasn't the end. It was just the most the northern. It's as, as north as it went, right? Yes, that's as north as it went, okay. unless you agree yeah, with the shoot from the, the yeah, yeah, yeah. and Fox. that was in 1863 um, so this is two years before that okay so yeah that was the so this is the um this is this battle in waynesboro which again didn't even know happened yeah um became the turning point where the valley was given over to the union basically we changed i mean again it's two months before the war ended but at this point we were no longer um pro confederacy or they didn't have a hold on it. Um, the whole battle took 20 minutes. There's many buildings in town that still show damage from it. Damn, that is so fucking interesting. Isn't it? And all of the Confederate soldiers who died in that uh, in this battle are buried in Ridgeview Cemetery. Damn. Yeah. Which I knew that there were some fucking old tombstones over there. Well, it had to have been a pretty... Um the battlefield has to be pretty small. It's mm-hmm. not like it's scattered out over time if it was 20 minutes. So I wonder where the exact battlefield I'm is. I'm going to try to tell you. I say, I did write it down because I thought it was interesting because it's actually a pretty, like... Well, I wonder if it's a... Is it a preserved well, me, area? or there, No, it's not there, preserved. There's like I th- duplexes and shit on there. I don't think it's a duplex area. It sounds like it's an area where um, it, just, it just eventually was just farmland again. I, it doesn't look, it doesn't sound like it's okay. a place that ever was like, well, actually now I'm talking about it. I wonder if DuPont's sitting on it. Yeah. We'll have to look it up one day. Yeah. So what happened was, um, they were, the union was heading to Waynesboro. Their intention was to burn the railroad bridge. Cause they were like, well, if the Confederacy doesn't have the bridge to the railroad system, then they can't get any supplies. So they're yeah. like, well, let's just take the bridge out. Um, but leading into, so their march from Stanton to Waynesboro, which is only 
a 15 minute car drive if that a much longer slow <laughs> much march. longer sm- and it slowed down even more because of heavy rain and sleet that hit the area um, a short confrontation deterred the union in fishersville there was a confederacy uh army that they had to deal with there first before they moved on into Waynesboro and they reached outside of Waynesboro on March 2nd in total when they reached the town there were 2,500 men for the union mm-hmm. Jabal I think is how you said that uh, early who was the commander of the army of the valley what which was a single infantry by this point so the army of the valley is actually not a group of valley residents these were all men from the Army of the Northern Virginia uh, Regiment that was originally headed by, I think, I'm pretty sure it was Robert E. Lee. Um, it was uh, Robert E. Lee. They renamed the group so that people in the valley got a... Would rally behind them? Yeah. You know, oh, that's, those are our men. Valley boys. Not our men at all. Okay. Yeah, definitely not even people who had probably ever been to this part of the, the area. So... At this point, Robert E. Lee is surrounded and in need of assistance. So he orders Early to take his men, rename the group the Army of the Valley. Um, and it, it, they claim to have about 1,800 men, but some say that it was not nearly that much. Um, and it's hard to find records of it because, again, the, this, I mean, they were just, how easy is it to lie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he said he had about 18, 1,800 men in his command when the Union showed up in Waynesboro. Um, Early was stationed just west of the town on a low ridge that was protected on three sides with dense wood to his left. So the way I understand this is he's west of town. So it sounds like he was in um, like the uh, Sharando Lake area. Okay. What is that place? What is that area called? Draft? Not draft. It's the place right. It's like where your brother used to live. Uh, nope. Lynnhurst. Oh, Lynnhurst. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's that's where it sounds like. Again, I, I'm not quite sure. Maybe we'll have to try to find the uh, latitude and longitude. How about that? Um, so anyway, he, again, protected his position from three sides, but assumed the dense wood on the left side would cover his position, and he absolutely did not need to man it, which was the biggest error he made in this. Because he, um, so he set that up. The second error he made was only allowing two avenues of exit over the South River, which was a railroad bridge and a footbridge, both of which were kind of dangerous to pass because of the swollen uh, river due to the heavy rain and sleet that had happened for days on end. So basically, um, the Union shows up about 2 p.m. They have a small artillery artillery duel at 3.30, and then the Union gives a signal to attack in advance. And when they do this, their scouts go and realize he's not even looking at his left side. We just need to take a couple men through this dense forest, which we've already been you know, hiking through for, you know, and do some smarter type of fighting rather than, okay, it's our turn. You all stand there. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. We got some. Now you shoot at us. We're going to stand here. Exactly. Exactly. This is going to be smart. Super smart. So they realize all of this and they realize that the union or the Confederacy only has two ways of escape. 
So what Custer does is he orders three regiments to att- to assault um, the flank and then have another one divert the attention from the assault at the in the woods mm-hmm. uh, so that, you know, the Confederacy goes to the one place and then they can attack and overrun. Within a matter of minutes, the Confederacy, who only got one single volley of fire out so basically one one row one row of shooting they retreat in panic which creates a stampede and traffic jam on the two escape routes which leads to hundreds of confederate soldiers being captured early with about 15 men escaped through the rockfish gap um, that had recently been finished and never again reformed as an effective fighting force Custard followed him several miles before the darkness ended the pursuit, and the Union eventually confirmed that they captured at least a thousand Confederate soldiers. Damn. Yeah. And And again, 20 minutes, and they have a thousand people captured, and the threat is gone. The Union has not only taken the valley, this town, but clearly turning Virginia, too, because all over the place these little things are happening yeah um so the union then crosses the blue ridge mountains to charlottesville they raid the south area uh, north of goochland and they destroy the james river canal before they join the army of the potomac near petersburg on march 26 where the apple app um uh Appomattox campaign begins. So that's where the fighting in Appomattox begins. So early, the Confederate leader, he never had another field assignment. He didn't? No, no. Not he was He showed promise. He should have. He did. You're right. He did show promise. He, um, a lot of stuff in town is also named after him. And um, my aunt is married into the early family. Uh, and I believe that there is some relation to him way back there. So we named stuff after him because he he did so well at yeah. his job. Well, we named stuff after him because it's like, oh, he's a Confederate from here. Let's cool put up a something to him for some reason. Way longer than way way further after he was alive. What did he do? Nothing. Oh, um, he yeah, he was a soldier. Mm-hmm. Was he good? No, he wasn't good at all. He was um, uh, he was fucking terrible. Yeah. Yep. And that's why that. That's why we named this road after him. Yep. So after the um, war, Waynesboro became a junction for the two railroad lines, uh, resulting in the name the Iron Cross. Did you know that that was the name for Waynesboro? Really? Yeah. Never knew that. But in 1890, Waynesboro had a new enemy to worry with. Basic City. What, like an enemy? Mm-hmm. Basic City is the area that surrounds Waynesboro, which at the time was a part of Augusta County. The area had actually been settled during the first colonization, but became an incorporate, incorporated town at the turn of the century and was bigger than Waynesboro at the time. But a national depression that occurred three years later caused all the investment money to disappear, re- resulting in most of the businesses in Basic City to close. And by 1920, Basic City gave up, allowed Waynesboro to consolidate by the mount, and the town of Waynesboro, B-O-R-O, began, and Basic City became one of the lost towns of Virginia. Oh, damn. Yep. Most, I never knew that. I never, well, I knew some of that, but most, I, I knew that Waynesboro had originally, what I thought had originally gone by Basic City. What I didn't know was they were two separate areas. Yeah. Um, now... Many, uh, just as we said, don't even know that um, the reason why 
buildings in this part of Waynesboro have basic city on it, why they're named after it, why people use that name as a, is a term, you know, basic city, uh, cause it used to be luncheon. Yeah. It's cause that's, that's the, they're trying to keep alive the history of that part of Waynesboro, hmm. which was basic city. So, um, it became the railroad junction area. Waynesboro houses a general electric plant. Was home to a former DuPont plant, which is now in Vista, which is where spandex was invented under the name Lycra. My dad works. You're welcome, Instahose. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. Um, it also houses a large textile mill called Wayne Tech. Waynesboro is home to many interesting buildings, including Fairfax Hall, which is originally a resort hotel built in a European res- uh, Renaissance style, was built in 1890 and still stands today, though it is a retirement home now. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful building. Where? Which building is it? It is uh, Fairfax Hall. So if you're going out 340, um, you know, where the basic city church is, like yeah. right as you're going out towards Dooms. Okay. Up on the hill on the right, as soon as you turn off at 340, go through that little neighborhood area before you get to the, um, like, junction or whatever that's down here. Yeah. The store. Yeah. Up on the hill, there's oh. a building. You want that's to show Fairfax me a picture. Hall. Yeah. My mom worked there for a little while. It's very pretty. I will show you a picture. Waynesboro is also home to Fishburne Military School. Um, which overlooks the downtown area. It was open in 1879. It's still an active school today. Ooh, computer's doing something weird. Um, and some of the notable alumni uh, are John Campbell from Lamb of God, who Lamb of God has recently made a resurgence around the area, and also Vince McMahon. What? Yes, he went to VMI. No, not... Not McMahon, sorry. Uh, yeah. Hold on, not VMI. Not VMI. Sorry, sorry. Fishburn. He went... Vince fucking McMahon went to, went Fishburn. to Fishburn. Went to Fishburn. Yeah. Mr. WWF. Yep. Don't give me that WWE shit. We're talking 80s. <laughs> it's funny because I wrote down WWF and then du- in parentheses WWE. Fuck WWE. <laughs> it's a whole different thing. You want yeah. Macho Man, Jake the Snake, Ultimate Warrior. That's WWF. <laughs> Fuck that panda. <laughs> Um, That's the only time I'll say fuck pandas. That is mm-hmm. blowing my mind. He's from Penhurst, North Carolina, um, but uh, apparently he grew up with, I guess he went to like um, military schools as a child, and his dad, um, there's a, just a legacy of going Damn. to Fishburn. Yep. Damn, that's interesting. Isn't it? I was like, I read that and I was like, holy shit. One interesting person when it came through Waynesboro. I'm going to tell every person I come in contact with That's that thing now. I appreciate that. I would like to pass that on as well. So Fantastic. Yes. So it's Waynesboro is also a home to a disaster, which almost devastated the entire town in July of 1984. Did you know this? Nope. On the 29th in the early morning hours, which was a Sunday, a couple of gas cans outside of 567 North Charlotte Avenue in the basic city area of town caught fire at about 1.37 a.m., kind of just out of nowhere. It took the fire department just 10 minutes to put it out, but everyone was pretty troubled afterwards because there was an ever-present, very strong smell of gas. So the next morning on the... um, the 30th well i guess on the 31st so the two mornings after they start digging up a portion of the street to try and find the origin because there's clearly a gas leak going on but they cannot find anything so they 
halt construction for the day or, you know, their search or whatever. So at 8.46 that night, um, reports from the residents in the area said that white smoke was starting to come from the manhole, like in the street. Mm -hmm. And so they investigate it, but again, they really can't find anything about what's going on. It's late at night, so they just kind of keep cautious. At 11.57 p.m., an explosion happens, which they eventually find the gas leak is in a basement of the business located on 5th Street. It killed 11 people, injured 23, and they said if the winds had been blowing differently that night, at least five houses and Augusta Lumber would have gone up. And if Augusta Lumber would have caught fire, the entire town would have burned. Damn. Yes. So this didn't happen. The next morning, most of the fires were out. The search of the survivors began, and the remaining 260 tons of propane were vented out of the damaged pipes, and all was done. Didn't know that there was almost this big, devastating fire. Yeah, that could have been a lot different. Very different. Waynesboro is still a pretty small town, an average population of 20,000, which I didn't... I mean, obviously, it's small, but I, I thought that it would still be closer... To yeah, I didn't know it was that Stanton. small. Yeah. Um, and there is a one in 500 chance that you will be a victim of a violent crime. Not murder. Violent crime. So one in 500. And this is the tale of one of those victims. Um, again, this is a little different because of who the victim is. I'm sure you know this by now, but I'm covering my grandmother's story. So it's a little weird. because a really long lead up to this. Well... Th- the story about what her situation is is not very in-depth it didn't get a lot of coverage oh it's interesting it's interesting well i just thought i thought the information about waynesboro was interesting so suck it yeah i will suck it (laughs) though i just said that so that makes sense (laughs) so my grandmother her name was arvetta june leach she was born on june 27th 1938 to parents william and mary in stanton virginia june had two siblings guess what their names were what William Jr. and Mary. Ah. Really clever. Inventive, yeah. June, according to friends and family, was a caring individual who went to gr- on to graduate high school around 1954-1955. She started work as a nurse at the Waynesboro Community Hospital. Shout out to where we live or where we were born. Um, June was a um, they said that she was a vivacious reader or ferocious reader with a big imagination, but was an individual who was quiet and had a tendency to keep things bottled up until she kind of imploded. Um, around the, the late 50s, she met and married my grandfather, A.D. Berry, who was born in De- uh, December of 1938, also from Waynesboro. A.D. was a Marine veteran who was working at DuPont, uh, the DuPont plant and a lifetime member of the Waynesboro First Aid crew, eventually serving as captain for some time. Um, they had my mother in June, July of ni- 1954, but their relationship was pretty bad and they divorced quickly. I don't have a lot of details on this. My grandfather has passed and, and she's, you know, nobody talks about it. Um, my grandfather met and married a woman named Jackie and my grandmother moved on to another man named Roger. In October 1968, she gave birth to my aunt Brenda, who was followed by my uncle Bobby in 1970. And by 1977, June left her job as a nurse after 22 years of service. So when my mom graduated high school, uh, my grandmother retired from being a nurse. Okay. So, um, by 1978, my grandfather, A.D., was the captain of the first aid crew. He had started the Barry Ambulance Service. So he actually started 
like the hospital service around here, which I didn't know. What is that? It's so they had the they had the rescue squad that you could call for an emergency, but the hospital didn't have. You know how they had like priority like, one like, or non-emergency. Yeah, things ambulance. like that. So he started that, um, and apparently, I believe it was just a station wagon. I don't an, have an ecto. Yeah. One. Yeah. It's like a Ghostbuster movie. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't have a lot of details about that, but uh, I'm hope to find a picture one day. Um, at the first day crew, he met my father Richard, who had recently became an EMT and had also started working at Dupont. My father got into the emergency services after he had a car accident with my aunt Sharon, um, where she was <laughs> physically taking a sip out of a McDonald's cup with a straw when they got T-boned in an intersection and she swallowed the straw. So my dad sat there and watched my aunt choke until the EMS crew was able to come and save him. And that's what gave him the, like, oh, let me get into first aid. Um, so he meets my grandfather. Um, they have a great relationship, work close, and eventually he introduces my parents to each other. My mom at the time was working at EOC. She was also volunteering at the first aid crew. Everything was going great. My father eventually becomes captain of the first aid crew. AD steps down to lieutenant. Um, my mom soon becomes pregnant with my shitty older brother in May of 1985. And then I come along in 1987. Right on. We live in a cute house on Link Road in Waynesboro, not far from my grandparents. Um, Though at this point, I have very little idea that June is even a person because she's kind of estranged from the family. At least that's what I've been told. I've come to find that I don't think that was actually the truth, but whatever. Um, some family drama, not really sure what's going on. So kind of out of the loop on that. So around 1991, AD was finishing his last year uh, working at DuPont. He left service um, with 33 years of service. He retired. My aunt, or my mom, or excuse me, my grandmother is now 53 and working at Wheezy's Kitchen waiting tables. So Wheezy's Kitchen's just this little like diner, basically does breakfast, um, where your grandparents used to eat all the time. Right on. Yeah. So she was scheduled to work the morning of July 27, 1991, which was a Saturday, but she didn't show up for the shift, which was very unlike her without even a phone call prior. So they said that, you know, people get sick most of the time they call in she was absolutely one of those people but she definitely didn't call in didn't show up wheezy roberts the owner and some of the patrons were like well this is really odd and they start talking about the fact that nobody's heard from her and like who saw her last and like it's very odd for my grandmother to not communicate with these people so wheezy <laughs> calls my grandmother's apartment which is located in the basic city area of Waynesboro, but he didn't receive any answers. So he decides to go over there around um, 10 a.m. He goes over, knocks on the door, doesn't get any response. So he calls the cops. The cops arrive once inside the house. They find my grandmother in bed, barely alive, only partially clothed. And she has been beaten significantly in the face and throat. Said. So Bruges, bruises and abrasions everywhere. The one thing I've heard most is that she had, uh, her face was so beaten in that they, that my mom had to identify her through a birthmark. Ugh. Um, they determined that the attack had happened the night before and that she had been left for dead. My aunt Brenda, who was also working at EOC at the time, she had actually worked the night before. So when this happened, they called over and they said, Hey, did anyone report any break-ins or robberies or, screams or anything no reports came through 
So they're like, well, it seems like the attacker knew her based on the apartment condition and the situation that she was left in and the fact that no one seemed to have reported anything out of the ordinary. So um, they rushed June to the hospital, take her into surgery of hope or recovering. One cop was quoted with saying, quote, it is an utter, utterly senseless and very, very cold um, act for someone to do something like this. He confirmed that June had been hit at least three times with an open hand prior to be beaten up. So they absolutely confirmed it was a crime of passion. Probably got in an argument with somebody who then beat the shit out of her. So this was double thought once they discovered her car uh, window had been broken in and a beer bottle was like clearly had been used to break in the window and thrown inside. So they were like, it's, it's somebody got angry, beat her up, came out here and then beat her car up too. So some believed it was my grandfather due to their obvious disdain for each other. He was interviewed and cleared, uh, had no obvious motive for the crime, but many people still wondered. June never regained consciousness to be able to give any information or to confirm my grandfather's guilt or innocence. And this caused the authorities to have a lot of work on their plate. Again, one in 500 chance of getting, having a violent crime. It's a crime of passion. And these cops are not used to investigating these type of, you know, beatings and or possible murders. So it's, it's just a lot for them to look at, especially because June doesn't really talk to she didn't really talk to my family. She seemed to be very quiet and closed off to friends as well. So she didn't really detail a lot about her private life. So what's there to go on? So um, my mom and sister had no idea who could have, my mom and her sister, had no idea who could have beaten up their grandmother. They didn't know she was even in a relationship with anyone. So later it was confirmed that she had had sex beforehand, though it seemed consensual based on, I guess, the kit that was taken. They couldn't confirm whether it was actual rape or consensual sex. But they said that she definitely had sex beforehand. So my parent, my mom was still like, I don't, I don't fucking know who she's sleeping with. So um, some of this was complicated by the fact that the neighbors in the area wouldn't really speak to the cops. They said that there was a man who hung out at her place who happened to have been there the night before, but none of them recognized him. They didn't know his name and they couldn't really give a lot of detail. Very helpful. You've been very helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Even with a reward offered by Wheezy, uh, the case went nowhere. And after a few months, the only update to the case was that June passed away from her injuries on September 27th. So, not really any information to go on. Any, bang up. Yeah. Bang up job. And a year later, my the case went cold after my mom died. Um, Brenda was left to basically be the only fighting voice to find out what happened to her mother. And there was no new information, no new leads. And there wasn't really anything more that could be done. So they closed the case. Or, well, it went cold. Um, so... Over the next few years, the case is open and closed several times, but nothing comes from it, basically. 1994, the Blue Ridge Sexual Assault Center, which I didn't even know we had, um, helped create a memorial in June's name to create awareness, but it led to no new leads. And the atmosphere in Basic City uh, basically grew. Everyone started looking at each other and just like, who did this? You know, like, was it you? Small, yeah, community. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. In 1997, my grandfather, A.D., passed away from cancer without knowing who killed his ex-wife, and many in town still believed it was him. 
The next year, the memory of her murder faded even further when the apartment complex was torn down and converted into a parking garage. You have a guy that was on the that helped people for 30 years and zero evidence against him, but you just feel that's where you need to stand with that. uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, why? I don't know. I mean, again, I don't... Unfortunately, I don't think I'll ever get a full truth answer out of this unless I meet someone who didn't know... Who's not related to the family. Um, But i'm going to assume i mean i don't re- i don't recall he died in 97 i you know my memories of him are him bringing me mcdonald's and yeah. taking me to the park and stuff like he was a great person to me um i don't recall him ever being angry so i i don't know i but apparently their relationship was volatile so i don't know who knows maybe there were there's reason people believe it i think it's small town gossip yeah they just assumed and went with it. Agreed. Um, so my father remarried. We moved out of Waynesboro just to the county, not very far. I grew up and went to high school, again, because of family drama and everyone in my mother's side basically dying early. I grew up without knowing really anyone related to the family beyond my aunt Brenda. I barely even knew her kids growing up. Um, and I don't know if because some believe that AD maybe had a part in it, that that maybe that's why they never kept in touch with us. You know, I, I, again, I don't really know because I barely know these people myself. Uh, So it seemed like a lost cause until about 2000 when on August 21st, someone called the Waynesboro police department and gave information regarding my grandmother's murder. A couple months later, the PD um, publicly requested that that person contact again. We have a few questions. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I guess it was because it was reported anonymously that they had to ask for them to call again. Yeah. Nothing else happened. Case was closed. While we were in high school, late high school, it was uh, the case was reopened my sophomore, junior year, in which new evidence was found and the police department was given several new leads, but it didn't really narrow down to a specific suspect. And again, the case went cold. What we didn't know is that the new evidence was DNA related, which... There's a rape kit because, you know, again, they took a kit, even though they didn't think it was actually rape. They thought that it was consensual, consensual sex. So um, it was all being loaded into a brand new database with brand new technology. And, you know, they did this on the hope that maybe one day they would get a, a hit. And in July of 2010... Um, June's case became the longest uh, running cold case in Waynesboro's history, which was a feat in a town with a very low murder rate and such a small population. At this point, my mother had been dead for about 18 years. Um, I had grown up without knowing most of that part of the family. Brenda had trust issues, didn't really talk to people. It looked like this was never going to be solved. Um, My step-grandmother... Jackie, who was who AD married. When she died, I basically got some more information on June that I had never known. And that's when I started becoming interested in the case. Um, you know, I always, I hate cold cases, which we've talked about many times, which is why we don't do the, them on the show. Um, so it was never really super interesting to me, even though I was into true crime, because I wanted to know who did it. And no one could ever tell me that. And because of all the family drama, it was hard for me to get any answers about anything until technology came along. And luckily, 
about the time that I got super interested in this case, it was reopened because a DNA hit matched evidence that they had from a recent case that had opened. So what happened was, is a man had been suspected of writing a string of fraudulent checks and um, February of that year, they ran his prints because that was what was requirement of law is that Virginia law requires anyone convicted of a charge, they have to give their fingerprints or have to give a DNA sample. So this guy gives a DNA sample, they run it through the database and immediately there's a hit on my grandmother's cold case. So in February of 2010, a 51 53-year-old named Linwood Roosevelt Johnson, who went by the nickname Bullwinkle, who had pleaded guilty to 15 counts of fraud in an Augusta County Circuit Court owed to DuPont Community Credit Union. He had written checks for about $1,800 worth. Mm-hmm. Bad checks. Um, he was tied to the death of my, mo- uh, my grandmother. So... In an ironic twist to the whole situation, my aunt, who had left EOC, was back to working at EOC when, when Linwood was arrested. So she was kind of one of the first people that even heard about it because she heard the, you know, the information through her job at EOC. She had no idea who this man was. No one in my family knew who he was. No one knew the name. He's been a Waynesboro resident his whole life. Never seemed to have any connection with my grandmother whatsoever or with our family. But there were plenty that knew Linwood and his connection with my grandmother, specifically her fucking neighbors. Remember? Oh. They saw a man who was there often, Thanks but they never help. knew his name. Many they could only give a description. Again, for your help. Yep. Many said they knew him, saw him hanging around specifically that summer, but rarely had a conversation that seemed to be a good enough opportunity to learn his name. Um, but most of them knew that he lived in a neighborhood nearby. He was a hard man to miss though. Quiet and not rowdy. He's a giant dude. I'm towering. When I saw him in court, he's easily over 300 pounds, probably six foot something, six, five or so. I mean, he's a big dude, Mm -hmm. big dude. So those from the kitchen were familiar with him because he was a regular at the restaurant. Um, But again, no family or friends were really aware of his connection at all until after the arrest. He clarified what happened. He said that they had been in a sexual relationship for quite a while. He would have been in his um, early 20s at the time. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was in her 50s. And... um, He said that, yeah, again, they had a sexual relationship for a couple months. He had been over there. They had had sex. They had gotten in an argument after sex was done, and it ended with him beating her mercilessly. He said that it was just kind of a crime of passion, I guess, some act in the moment. I don't, I, he really didn't have a good excuse. No shit. So Linwood was charged with second degree murder. He was given bond of $5,000, which he posted. In January of 2011, he was indicted, and two days later, he turned himself in, facing a maximum of 40 years in jail. However, in discussion, the case, even though he confessed, the prosecutors didn't think they had enough to support an actual murder charge. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. So, they went for manslaughter and malicious wounding. 
They offered him a plea bargain since he recalled details that matched the evidence that they couldn't link. And the DNA evidence was enough to get a guilty charge. So they offered him a manslaughter plea uh, bargain with a sentence of three years. Why are we trying to help this guy so much? Like who's, why are you doing that? I don't know. I was, I was very salty at the sentencing. No shit. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't, I didn't know my grandmother, so it's not, I mean, she is family, but it's not like I had memories of her, but I also could have had memories of her. She hadn't been killed when I was four. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, it definitely does not seem like they, it seems like they were like, this has been going on for a while. It's our. It's oh, don't worry about it. We need it. to just settle it. Yeah, you could settle it mm-hmm. by making him live the rest of his garbage life in jail. Yep, I attended the sentencing along with my aunt, though he never personally addressed us or the loss to our family. He did say, "quote It's just something that happened and something I didn't mean to do." Well, that's cute, but you did, mm-hmm. and now you're gonna do your little or you did your tiny little stint in jail. <laughs> and he didn't even do all of it. Perfect. I believe that he got um, he got about halfway through before he was released. I couldn't find any definite. Proof. Why does everyone want th- what? Why? So you give them barely anything, mm-hmm. and then you chop that in half. Yeah. Because question mark. I mean, again, it seemed like I don't know how if someone confesses how you don't have enough. Um, I guess. They can't do murder one because it's not premeditated. Premeditated. I guess they didn't do murder two because he technically didn't kill her. He put her into a coma and it was clear she was never going to come out of the coma. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So he didn't do that. He didn't do manslaughter seems to be when you really think about what the charges mean. Manslaughter does seem to be the best thing. But three years after... um. 1991 to 2010 after that long of being silent living in Winsboro seeing this case open and shut multiple times obviously not speaking up and then waiting and probably I mean again he would have never gotten caught had he not done something wrong to get him his DNA to run in the database so he would have just lived his whole life with this secret basically awesome well now he's doing that well it's not a secret but mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't need to worry about he's still living in Winsboro he's in about his in his 60s now um not much of information on him uh he had an assault charge in 2017 but that was dropped so most again most of the research for this was uh, family conversations detailed from uh the authorities my old notes that i took at the time of the um case going to trial so it's again some of it may not be exactly truthful but that uh that's the tale awesome yeah that's I already why I, knew that, but um, I mean, I know you knew it, but no, 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 that's no. why I started with the Winsboro stuff. I'm saying like I already knew it, uh, but just bringing it back up it's, yeah. just makes you angry. It does. It all does all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, even I would be, I would be, I think I'd be more angry if it wasn't my family. I I've just had, don't get I've it. had so long to come to terms with the fact that this happened, um, that I think that I'm not as salty about it now as i used to be but i mean i would like to look up all the things that people are doing two years or more for yeah and then compare them to that well that's that's my thing i mean there's multiple people in jail right now for weed for the rest of their lives but he physically beat someone up to the point of oh, but death. not to death he he didn't make her die 
she died from not being able to come out of a coma that he yeah. had nothing to do yeah, with. No, Remember, no, no. it's not it's not direct. No. He didn't directly do it. Mm-mm. Her and body just failed on her after being beat mm-hmm. unmercifully. Yep. Yep. And the, so it's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. No, he didn't do anything. You're right. Yeah. So that. Um, yeah. Again, I, I. It's really hard to say pretty much any more than so that. So I wonder, like, what people think that know him, know of him now, have known him. I wonder what his from presence does from in Waynesboro now. What? It, There's that guy. I will say, at the trial, he had more people in his. Um, he had more people there for support of him than there was support for our family um, or for June. Uh, he, well, he's had 20 years to gain support. Mm-hmm. She's been dead for 20 years. Multiple family members um, did mention that, you know, he he's not a violent person and that yeah i mean that we can this tell. has haunted him and, yeah yeah and, and maybe it and has that's why he but came that's why he came forward because yeah. it's haunted him so bad he, he's just not able to sleep at mm-hmm. night for 20, 20 years. years yeah yeah he's yeah. just and he's not violent no he's not i mean he's not no he's because just... he's definitely never beat anyone to death before so <laughs> no not at all i mean i yeah. can get behind that yeah I can get a, behind a a giant non-violent man like that yeah definitely um yeah i mean you're you're right i i it's awesome there's yeah it's awesome it's awesome it's it's hard enough to um to have a a violent act to your grandmother which caused you not to have a relationship with her but it's it's then to to know for 20 years that we didn't know who killed her and then to watch that be like oh we finally know and then to watch and basically a, an injustice a giant meh yeah at the court pretty much meh meh oh thank you mm-hmm. because thank you yeah yeah it's it's who was the who who started off the oh well this isn't really it's a it's a technicality. Was it his lawyer? No. So the way and in this Why also they, this also ties into the shit we're seeing now like with, know, with police with the police be, brutality and them not being prosecuted. When you have a situation like this, I feel like you could go that route. Or you could really throw it to them. So yeah. why be? Because, why were you so soft? Because what? Because it's the prosecution. So we used to have the the way the court system used to be set up is that the judge basically or the everything was brought in front of the judge. Now the prosecution decides whether or not they bring the case or not, and they decide whether or not what they want to seek. So the prosecution has all of the power and they basically, I mean, all of the power to, again, to what we're saying about pr- police brutality right now, the reason why some of most of these cases aren't being brought, police brutality cases aren't being brought in front of courts is because the, the prosecution gets their cases from the police department. So if they fuck with the police department, then they no longer get their cases they're criminal cases yeah because they get them directly or they'll have a hard time getting the information thus they won't be able to prosecute so basically that's why police brutality is never taken care of or it's very rarely taken care of is because they don't want to prosecute because the cops will make their jobs harder so the prosecution has all of the balls in their court at the beginning of a trial so the prosecution 
came in and looked at this case and said, it's 20 years old. Most people in this family, in the, in the victim's family, are not here did any they, longer. Did, did, There's not a big outcry for a push for murder, too. Did this, so we're going to go for manslaughter. Offer him a plea deal. Here's a bow. Where wrap did this it, person done. come from? Did the they talk to your family? Or is I, again, it just, I don't know. You're just working for the it's, city? Yeah, you work for the city. But you don't talk to the family at all? You talk to the family somewhat, but were, then you still... you you. But again, that's what I'm saying. More than likely, they did. But the pushback was, well, not. it doesn't really seem like the family is pushing hard for murder, too. Because it was probably more than likely Brenda. They definitely didn't talk to me. They maybe talked to my dad, but my dad is is born or um, married in to the family. So I don't think that they would really care his opinion, even though he would speak on behalf of my dead mom. So what do you expect? It's 20 years ago. That's the point. It's not a big family to start with. So it's like, we're not seeing a lot of family here. Mm -hmm. It's old. Let's just sweep this under the rug. And I mean, again, that's what happens when you, when it's your job, not saying that attorneys, shouldn't have this job but this is what happens when you're hired to do a job sometimes you go the easy way out and you think a conviction means a conviction family should be okay with it he did his he did his time but my point is is he got 20 years of a secret to just live his life while one causing taxpayers and then he had a he had a jail speed bump Mm -hmm. in his life yeah which i'm sure threw him all out of mm-hmm. whack for the 15 minutes he was in there and yeah. now he's cold ass by chilling. the way in middle river jail so you know you're just hanging out in verona it's not like Man, that's tough that's a tough life it is a tough life so yeah no i agree i i th- it, this is this is a clear case of where because we allow the prosecution to have all the power basically in the situation now if they don't want to do the work and they don't want to be advocates for the family or the victim then it's just going to be open shut here's your sentencing goodbye family doesn't really get justice all right well someone knows him and you work at a restaurant he comes in piss in his drink (laughs) yeah i I doubt he probably i I would assume that and then Maybe now he leaves, he'll probably be out. I'm sure he he thinks nobody cares anymore. When he's you, when he's done drinking that, then piss in his mouth. <laughs> if he answers to the name Bullwinkle, that's him. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Hmm. I mean, really, really cool. Yeah. Again, I knew you knew the story. That's why no, no, I, no, I thought I'm, that it was interesting to find the history of the city as well. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's just frustrating. So it is. Yeah, let's wrap it up or I'm just going to keep saying things like that. I mean, it's it is frustrating. Uh, believe me. <laughs> but um, yeah, kind of have to make your peace with it because no one's going to change it now. But again, if I ever see that dude again, we'll piss. We'll, we'll piss, piss in his him. mouth. Yeah. In yeah. his mouth. In his All eyes, over him. In his food. Mm-hmm. On his fucking dog. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. Um. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. And uh, this Thursday, the 25th, is our two-year anniversary. Yes, we've pretty much been doing this for two years. Mm -hmm. I would say either this pod or the next pod will be the closest to the actual two-year mark. Well, the 25th is the day we uploaded the first three episodes. Okay. So technically this week is our two-year. Awesome. Yeah. There that Um, is. Yeah. Little tidbit. Little tidbit. So uh, happy anniversary, Daniel. 
thank you. Happy anniversary to you. Thank and you. thanks for everybody that's been listening the whole time. Thanks for everyone that's been listening in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just found the show, hope you're enjoying it yeah. during these stupid times. Yeah. It gives you something to do for an hour or so. And we heart you. We heart you all. We so do. So take care of yourself. Yep. Have a, as good of a week as you can. And we'll see you at the next one. Bye. Peace out.